are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So I want to start this morning by asking you a, a question, okay? And I don't want to take you to a really dark place, but I want you to try to kind of think with me. And I think the best way is maybe is if you can answer this question, okay? Can you identify maybe one of the most difficult seasons or maybe the most difficult season of your whole life? Can you look back and say, if I wanted to talk about kind of the hardest road I've ever walked or the most trying time I've ever been through or the most difficult season of my life, I would say it was right here. That This is what happened to me. So, you know, you may, you may refer to a death that happened to someone that you loved. Or for some of you who have kids, it may be you were really worried about one of your kids. Or maybe it has to do with a sickness, a physical problem you went through, or whatever. But just kind of think with me about that. Okay, Rick, if I had to think about a really hard time in my life, it could be financial. Uh, it could be a family systems problem. But if I had to think about the hardest road I ever walked, the toughest, most difficult season of my life, I would say it would be right there. That, that's what it was. So who, who did you turn to besides God in that season of your life? And by doing so, Would you ever refer to that as Christ-likeness? So here's why I'm asking. Because in our passage today, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and it's just before His suffering begins, okay? And the crucifixion. But He, he doesn't go there alone. He takes, he takes His friends, His followers, His disciples with Him. And He says to them, I want you to stay with me, okay? I don't want to be by myself. And then he looks at us and he says, I want you to follow me. I want you to live your life like you see me live mine. I want you to become like me. So grab a Bible and go to Matthew chapter 26. Okay, Matthew 26, and I'm going to start reading with verse 36. So here's where we are in Matthew's narrative. Tension is rising between Jesus and religious leaders to the point that they have said, if anybody sees him or knows of his whereabouts, you should report him because we should arrest him. Things are getting out of hand. Pharisees are making statements like the whole world is going after him. A big uprising is going to happen if we don't do something fast and Rome is going to get upset and they're going to take our temple and they're going to take our nation. So we've got to do something about this Jesus. It's getting out of hand. And so Jesus has his last supper with the disciples. And one of his own disciples, Judas, is ready to betray him. So here's what happens. When you get to verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples. You notice Matthew did not say Jesus went. But what does it say? Jesus went... Okay, um, that was good for all of you who participated, but um, 
I think we're all together, right? Jesus did not just go by himself, but Jesus went, very good, to a place called Gethsemane. Now, Jerusalem is a city that's built on a hill. There's not a lot of extra space, and there's not a lot of wide open spaces at that, that day in the city of Jerusalem. There were not a lot of parks or gardens, but near the Mount Olive, there was this garden called Gethsemane. And so that's where you find Jesus. Gethsemane actually means like oil or olive press, okay? So he's there with his disciples in Gethsemane. And here's what he said to them. Said here. In other words, don't go anywhere, okay? If you guys don't have somewhere you got to be, could you just stay here? Do you think you guys could hang out for a while? Because I don't want you to leave me right now. I want you just to stay here. Can you stay here? I want you to stay here with me, okay? Sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. And so you hear it again. I'm, could, could you guys do me a favor and could you just stay here? Is there anywhere you have to be? Could you not go? Could you just, could you just stay with me right now? Could you not leave? Stay here and keep watch with me. And so going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. Now, I'm, I'm not going any further until you see that in your mind. My mother, as a little boy, always said to me, Ricky, when you read the Bible, you got to go there. And you've got to let your imagination go. And you just got to put on your sandals and you got to walk the dusty roads with Jesus and the disciples. You got to be there. And so I'm not going to read anymore until you picture Jesus in this position. Matthew says he falls to the ground with his face and he prays. And so what does that look like in your mind? You see Jesus, he's wearing a cloak and a tunic and he's down on his knees and now his face is on the ground. Okay, can you see that? My Father. Can I translate that into our vernacular? Daddy. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, but as your will. And then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He goes away and he prays for an hour and he comes back and they're asleep. He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I know your spirit is willing, but I know your flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and he prayed. And this time the prayer kind of changes. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, then may your will be done. And after he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were so heavy. And so he left them and he went away once more and he prayed a third time saying the same thing, which was, of course, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to pass from me, your will be done. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? <laughs> Look, the hour has come for the Son of Man. You remember the title? We talked about it last Sunday from the book of Daniel. God was going to send a gentle man. 
And the whole world would worship Him. And every nation would bow down to Him. And His kingdom would never end. And He would be God's Messiah. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinners. And so Jesus says, rise, let us go. Here comes our betrayer. So this is God's word for us, okay? So, this is a Nazarene church. And so the church of the Nazarene, like... Lots of other churches kind of divides itself into districts or conferences. And so in the state of Oklahoma, there would be three districts. Our district is called the Oklahoma District, and we have a district superintendent. So he is the guy who oversees about 80 churches on our district, okay? His name is Terry Rowland, and so he would be my boss. But he's really more like a pastor and a friend than he is a boss, and so I was at his office the other day, and we were meeting about some stuff. And before I left, he says, hey, i got to tell you a story. And so he begins to tell me about his daughter, who was in the process of adopting a little girl. And so he said, the little girl is in a foster family's care who goes to the same church that my daughter goes to. So they know the little girl really well. And for the last couple of years, they have spent lots of time with her. And they've done some like respite care and they get to take her to their house and spend time with her. And she knows they want to adopt her, but they always have to take her back to the foster home. And she never wants to go back. She always wants to stay. He said, but finally the other day, there was a ruling and he's got his phone out, and he's showing me a picture of this little girl. He says, she is so beautiful. She's six years old. They have a child who is five and a child who is seven. So five, six, seven. And he says, they finally got a ruling from the judge. You can adopt. And they went to get her to never take her back again. And so he says... No, you can clap. I like that. And so he says, they get her home the first night. And they all sit down at the dinner table to pray. Here we are, kind of a complete family. We've been wanting this for so long, and now we're all together. And so they say to the little girl, do you want to pray for the food? And so six years old, Terry says, big old tears in his eyes, showing me the picture Here's what she prays. God, I don't really care what I have to eat. I'm just glad I got a family. Yeah. Awesome. You know what? Sometimes it's just okay to say, I need some people in my life. Sometimes it's okay to say, I need a little love, and I need a little help, and I need a little kindness, and I need the presence of some folks, and sometimes I just need some people to walk with me, some people to do life with me, some people to pray for me, some people to watch over me, some people to help me. When I go through a really dark time in my life, and I've been through some rough stuff, even as a little six-year-old girl, it's okay to say, I need some people in my life 
So I know that I don't know everything. In fact, as I get older, there's so much more I realize I don't know. But there's some things that I know really, really well. And one of the things that I know really, really well, and I know for sure, is that as you and I continue to live these lives that we are living, we are going to have some challenges, we're going to have some struggles, and we're going to have some troubles. Jesus never said, you will not have trouble. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. In this world, you are going to have trouble. And it was true for Jesus. And he sees it coming. And what he sees coming is what he calls the cup. Now, why does he call it a cup? And what does he mean by cup? Father, if it is possible to let this cup pass from me. Father, if it's not possible to let this cup you know, pass from me. He's talking about the cup that he talked to James and John about. So you remember the story, James and John have a mother and she's really proud of her boys. And she thinks her boys are like, no other boys. That's a good mama, right? And so she goes to Jesus one day and she says, Jesus, we're all excited about your kingdom coming and you being king. I've got a request of you. When you become king, could you let one of my boys sit on your right and one of my boys sit on your left? Because Jesus, my boys are special boys. Can you let one of my boys be your president, vice president rather, and one of my boys maybe be your secretary of state? Something like that. Just let them have, you know, places of honor. And do you remember what Jesus says to James and John? I have to ask you a question. Can you drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? And when he says cup, he's talking about his suffering and his death. Now, I can't relate. The other day I was with somebody and they were talking to me about what they were going through and I said something really stupid. I said, I understand. And immediately I said, wait, I shouldn't have said that. I don't understand. There's no one in the world I could understand. What, 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 I, what I should have said is, I can only try to understand or I only can try to imagine what you must be feeling. But I've never been through what you're going through. So there's no way I can understand. I've never experienced what you're experiencing. So I don't know what that's like. I can only try to imagine what it must be like, what you're going through right now. That's all I can do is just try to imagine. And so when you think about Jesus in this moment, there's no way we can quite grasp it. He's, he's, he's 33. He's living his life. I haven't even gotten married. I, I don't have any kids. I feel like all of my life is in front of me. Who wants to die at 33? But what Jesus is doing is trying to deal with this fact that death is almost here and I'm going to die, but I don't want to die because I'm, I'm only 33 and I, I haven't been married. I, I don't have kids. I, I haven't lived my life yet. I don't want to die at 33 and much less who would want to die on a cross. So, so can you imagine, can you imagine Jesus having to accept this thing? He's having to come to grips with saying, okay, it would be like me saying to, to, you know, one of you, you know, okay, Here's the deal, Thaddeus, they're gonna, they're gonna put this crown of thorns on your head, and, and then they're gonna, they're gonna beat you with these rods, and then they're gonna whip you with this whip. They're gonna tear your back open. Half of your blood is gonna fly out onto the ground, and then they're gonna strip all of your clothes off of you to humiliate you, 
And then they're going to hang you on a cross, Thaddeus, and there's where you're going to die. So Thaddeus, just man up and, and, and just go, okay? I mean, that, that's really what you're saying to Jesus. And he says, Father, I mean, is it possible that this cup could maybe pass from me? It, it, if it's not possible... Then he prays like he told us we should pray. When you pray, he said, you should pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And if it's not possible, then God, your will be done. I'm not going to ask you to pray, Jesus says, if I'm not willing to pray that prayer. And so last week, these weeks around us, we've been talking about following Jesus. And last week it was about what's it like to follow Jesus, to be like Him and His relationship with the Father. And that's the picture right there. It's not about me or what I want. It's not about even me being comfortable or anything else. It's about what do you want out of my life. And if you can be glorified in my life, good. And if you can be glorified in my death, then you be glorified in my death. That's okay. And so this week we're talking about what does it mean to be like Jesus in our relationships with one another. And so here's where I think that kind of goes. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. We, we have a lady who attends our church. She's a, a very sweet lady. And she wrote me an email the other day. And she said, Pastor Rick, this is the anniversary of my husband's death. And there's been a lot happening in these last 12 months in her life besides just her husband's death. It has been very difficult to live with. And she said, I, I've trusted in God and He is bringing me through and my family has been great, but I wanted to tell you about my church family. She said, many times on Saturday, I get a text saying, can I save you a seat on Sunday? Because they don't want me to sit by myself. And she said, every time I miss Sunday school class, somebody calls me and tells me that they miss me. And I can't tell you how many times in this last year, people have called me and said, can you go eat dinner with us? We want to take you out to eat. And you know what she's saying? I've been through the worst year of my life. If you ask me to put it on the calendar, what is the most difficult season of my life, this is it. I'm coming through it. But all the way through it, I have not been alone because my church family has been there to be with me. And so here we find Jesus going to Gethsemane. But Matthew says he's not by himself, folks. He's taken His disciples with Him. And I want you to stay here, okay? If you don't have anywhere you have to be, can you just stay with me for a while? I don't want you to leave me. I really need you guys right now. And He takes Peter and James and John a little further and He says, Would you guys sit here? Would you not leave? I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to be close to me right now. I need you guys. And so they stay close. All right, so can I talk to you about preaching just for a few minutes? Because when you preach all the time, you know, it's every Sunday. It comes with amazing regularity. You'd be surprised. It's like, wow, it's Sunday again. I'm preaching, you know, just a little while here. Um, you, you look for stuff like this when you preach, okay? There's this one time when Jesus is with his disciples and he washes their feet. He gets on his knees and gets a towel in a basin and he washes their dirty feet. They wore sandals, you know. Dust, mud, everything in between their toes and all that. And Jesus is, you know, washing feet. Simon Peter, whoa, no, no, no. It's not going to happen here. You're not washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. 
And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And Simon Peter says, then wash my whole body. And Jesus says, I'm not giving you a bath. You wash your body. I'm washing your feet, okay? (laughs) And then he says, as I have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. As I have served you, you should serve one another. When you are a preacher, you take verses like that, and I mean, it is just teed up. I mean, you know, I mean, that is just, you're just waiting to preach that stuff. You ought to serve each other. That's what we do. We tell everybody what they ought to do. And then there's other passage where Jesus says, As I've loved you, he's talking about all his love for his disciples. As I've loved you, you know what you ought to do? You should love one another. Oh, preachers love that stuff. You guys should love one another. It's what you ought to do. You know, we're, we're great at that. In fact, when I think about talking about Jesus and the way that he relates to believers, I mean, the Bible is just full of good stuff for me just to yell at you guys over. And yell at me. Like Jesus with his disciples in Matthew 5, he's teaching them. Oh, if you want to be like Jesus, then you should be investing people and you should be teaching them what you know. I mean, that's really good preaching. It's true. Or like Jesus prayed for his disciples and his followers and all believers. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you've got to be praying for others. I mean, that's good preaching too. He loved. You should be loving. He served. You should be serving. He was a friend. He said to them, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. You should be friendly with one another. See. But, but what about another aspect of Jesus' life? If we really want to be like Jesus, where are you going? Gethsemane. Oh, <laughs> it's a bad place. I'm not going by myself. You're not? No. I'm taking my friends with me. Somebody asked me a year ago, so you know the story about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness? Yeah. Well, how do we know about that? What do you mean? Well, who all was there? Jesus. So he had to have told somebody, right? Hey, can I talk to you? I went through this really hard time, and I think it would just really help if I could tell somebody I hadn't eaten anything for 40 days and 40 nights, and I was like starving to death. And the enemy came, and he tempted me like crazy, and he offered me power, and he offered me kingdom. He offered me everything, and he offered it to me now. It was one of the toughest things I've ever been through in my life. I was tempted. And what you see is a Jesus who doesn't say, I can handle this, I got it. No, you see a Jesus who opens his life to his friends. And he says, come on, you can walk with me in the parade when they're waving the palm branches and saying that I'm the king. But you can also go with me to the garden when I'm sweating blood. You can be in my life then too. So so here's like the, the real push of the sermon. Okay, it's really simple. If Jesus needed his friends at the darkest hour of his life, guess what? (laughs) 
You and I need our friends at the darkest hours of our life too. And it's okay to reach out to them. You got nothing to prove. Nobody needs to be a hero by themselves. If Jesus says, I'm not doing this in isolation, then to be Christ-like is to say, I'm not doing it in isolation either. So one more story and I'll stop. But we have a guy and a gal, uh, Dave and Janie, Jeannie Nippers. And Dave got some really bad news and it came all over the newspaper. This is just the front page of the Oklahoman back a few weeks ago. And Dave finds out that he has got kidney failure. Okay, so let me show you a picture. This is a picture of Dave and his son-in-law, Andrew. Okay, so when Dave finds out that he's got kidney failure, it's, it's not good because 15% of his kidneys are working, can't live, he's in dialysis. He's on a list, but the list increases by 3,000 every month in the U.S. And there's 100,000 people on the list. And they take the youngest and the most healthiest to give them the kidneys that are available. So it's not looking good for Dave. He needs a donor. And Andrew, standing on the right, doesn't tell his wife, who is Dave's daughter, and he doesn't tell Dave. In fact, he doesn't tell anybody. He just goes to be tested. Knowing there's only 5% chance that he might be a valid candidate. Only 5%. It's almost like, don't even try And guess what? He was a valid candidate. So in the next picture, one morning, he and Dave go to a hospital here in Oklahoma City. And they both are admitted. And Dave walks, Andrew walks over to Dave's room to tell him he loves him. And we're going to make it and we're going to be okay. And they take a kidney from Andrew and they give it to Dave. And the next picture is yesterday, standing under a tree after Andrew's son's birthday party. And they're both doing really good. And somebody says to Andrew, are you sure? Are you sure? And Andrew says, Dave is a friend to me. He's more than my father-in-law. He's a mentor. And, and he loves my kids. And I want my kids to know him for a long time. And I want him to be a part of their lives for a long time. And if I have something that can save his life, then I'm glad to give it. So here's what happens when we hear a story like this. I think we begin to say, I think somebody is being like Jesus in this story. Amen? I mean, didn't Jesus sacrifice his life, right? He lays down his whole life for somebody. I mean, Andrew gave a live kidney, (laughs) a live organ. Doesn't that seem like Jesus to you? But I think somebody else in the story seems like Jesus as I read Matthew 26. You know that Dave Nipper said, oh, Andrew, I don't, what if something goes wrong and I don't want you to go through this and it's a hard recovery and I 
I think Dave Nippers was being like Christ when he said, I need you. And I'm okay to depend on you. And I'm okay to accept your love and your kindness and your gift to me. Have you ever once in your life considered the fact that to accept someone's presence and love is to be Christ-like? And so we get to do something really good this morning. We get to come together as a part of this community that loves each other and needs each other and depends on each other and banks on one another to make it through. We come to His table together for communion as a community. And together we share in the blessings of Christ. So... Would you stand with me? And would those of you who are going to service, please come forward at this time. So here's what happens. The trays will be passed in a moment, and you will be given an opportunity to take a cup. And really it's two cups, one stacked on the other. One contains the bread and one contains the juice. And so when you receive the cup, will you just hold on to it until everybody in the room has been served? often think it's important to remind you that you don't have to be a member of this local church to participate, but it is important that you're sincere and that you're truly seeking Jesus as you do this. And so we don't approach this with any kind of half-heartedness. We only do it if we're sincere in our attempt. And so after you've received the cup and the bread, would you hold it in your hand and then all of us together will eat and drink. I feel I have no 
voice to sing. Even in the want, I'll follow you. Even in the want, I'll follow you. I believe everything that you say. Jesus was with his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that is broken for you. Take it and eat it, all of you. And then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink it and be thankful. And so, Father, we are thankful We are thankful for the gift of your son, Jesus, and for the grace that's imparted into our lives through him. And we are also thankful for his example and that he not only taught us, but he showed us this is how you live life. And we are grateful. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.